1: All right, what is going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. It is Monday, June 14th, and we will not be having a live show today. This is one of the episodes we've been talking about will be pre-recorded as I am on vacation. I will be happily sitting in Florida right now. Monday so I'll be at Universal Studios so I'm excited and we wanted to make sure to keep putting out content for you guys so we went ahead and recorded these a little bit early so just in case anything massive happens as we're talking in the AFC South about the Tennessee Titans or the Indianapolis Colts don't hold us against us don't hold it against us because we're recording these a little bit earlier than we usually do but it is a Monday show so I've got Dennis and Matt here with me gentlemen how you guys doing on this beautiful Monday
2: well, I'm going to be doing fabulous on June 14th. I'm going to manifest the best day of my entire life for the next two weeks. So that wouldn't we we be celebrating 14th, flag day in style. It's going to be amazing. Uh, no, it would have been funny. What we should have done is just reviewed Julio being on the on the uh, Titans as part of this show and see if we could make it happen to the sheer, uh, uh, will that would will. That would be awesome. <laughs> then we'd end up having to redo the show. But I'm
3: doing I feel fantastic. Like, what I feel like you're saying is while people listen to this, they should picture you in your Harry Potter robes.
1: Me? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. kids definitely will be. I, I mean, I'm excited for it. I do like Harry Potter. So does my wife, but my son has gotten like really into that. Last time we were there, he was like four years old, I think. Sounds about right. Four years old. Four, yeah, four. Because we weren't there two years ago, so it had to be three years ago. And uh, we went, and I. So I don't know if you've been. Have you been to Universal in a while, Matt?
3: No, I've yeah. not been to the any of the Florida theme parks. We're California.
1: Oh, okay. People. Gotcha. So they have like a whole Harry Potter, whole Harry Potter world there, everything. Is, it's You can go to Diagon Alley you know all that stuff. You can pick up, pick out your own wands and everything, and they do it. And of course they have He Who Shall Not Be Named, and that's the only one my son wanted. It was just cool to see the people kind of react to it that way as well. So uh, yeah, but I'm interested to take him. It's going to be a good time. I cannot wait.
3: It's not so much being stuck up, Dennis, as when your wife's family lives in California and all your friends live in California, you can make it a trip where you'll see You can justify going to the theme parks by seeing family.
1: I mean, look, I'll say it this way.
2: Maybe 10 years of marriage. We'll see how it goes.
1: All I'll say is, if I had a a choice, you know, California, when we were there, when we went to Disneyland, the weather was, like, beautiful the entire time. I'm Mm. not looking forward to 90-plus humidity. I mean, I'm used to the humidity anyway in Texas, but it's just as bad in Florida. I'm not really looking forward to the... I like the the proximity, too. And all
2: transparency—that was just a joke. I love my
1: wife and her family.
2: <laughs>
3: all right, and on to football. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's talk about Tennessee Titans. So the Tennessee Titans in twenty twenty finished eleven and five and in first place, but they lost twenty to thirteen to to the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card. Their key additions were Josh Reynolds, wide receiver; Bud Dupree, linebacker; and Janoris Jenkins, to the cornerback. Their key losses. Corey Davis, the wide receiver, goes to the Jets. Adam Humphreys, wide receiver, to Washington. Jonu Smith, their tight end to the New England Patriots. Genevion Clowney, the defensive end to the Cleveland Browns. Malcolm Butler, cornerback to Arizona. Adoree Jackson, cornerback to the Giants. Their draft picks. In the first round, they picked cornerback Caleb Farley. In the second round, they picked offensive tackle Dylan Radance. Linebacker Monty Rice goes in the third. And cornerback Elijah Molden goes in the third round. The Titans defense struggled last season, and they let a lot of those players go specifically in the secondary. Did they do enough to improve it this year, Dennis?
2: Well, I I like Caleb Farley a lot. He was uh, in the conversation as the best cornerback coming out in the draft this year. Uh, He had a little bit of an injury history, I think, compared to the other two guys that were up there. But Farley's definitely a good player, and he's going to give that secondary some juice. It, You know, from a defensive perspective, the way I see it is nothing makes a weak secondary look good better than a great pass rush. And so the question will be for me is can Tennessee do enough on the front seven to get pressure on the quarterback while this revamped secondary, you know, Grows into itself, you know. We we saw with Denzel Ward when he came in, and, and some of these other young hot cornerbacks. Uh, who's, who's the uh digs tr- digs it down in uh Dallas? Sometimes Trayvion it takes a Ryan little bit Trayvion to down get, Diggs. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it takes. It may take a little bit of time to get their feet under them. They're drafted high in the first round. You know, Jeff Okuda struggled last season. uh but they're drafted high because they're very, very talented. And, you know, we've seen others, you know, Eli Apple, who, uh, and I like to refer to him as fantasy darling Eli Apple, because if you have to start a cornerback, Eli Apple was a guy you wanted, because it didn't matter who was on the other side. They were throwing at Eli Apple because he was, he was consistently, uh, he he never put it together yet. So uh, I like Farley. I think he's going to be really good in Tennessee. Uh, You know, they've got Jeffrey Simmons in the middle, uh, and, and they can they can put some pressure on the quarterback. So uh, it, it'll depend on how quickly they gel on that defense. Uh, I don't think they they've got the same coordinator, so I don't, they didn't really change a whole lot on defense as far as scheme. They they're just changing some personnel.
3: Well, and you you know Mike Vrabel is a coach that you know, as a player played with a lot of heart and intensity, and that's kind of what he wants from his team. You didn't really see that a lot from the the defense. You see a lot of big name defenders kind of going out the door this off season, but the Jadavian Clowney signing was huge when they made it last off season, never really panned out. If they can get more of what they were expecting last year from Bud Dupree, I think they will be better if they can get these guys to play with a little more heart and intensity, I think they will be better. And I think that's been a focus for Brable and the staff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like the draft picks that they made, including Caleb Farley. we had a lot of talk about that when it was uh, the early draft process, we all seem to kind of have different players. I'm trying to remember now it feels like forever ago. And it wasn't, it was like less than a month ago. We were talking about the draft. Uh, I really can't remember who the cornerback was that I like now. It wasn't Sertan and it wasn't, um, it wasn't Farley. And I'm pretty sure he ended up going as the first cornerback to. Uh, Wasn't it J.C. Horn? There we go, J.C. Yeah. Horn. I couldn't remember from the life of me who it was, but uh, I do like the additions they've made. I've I've always liked Mike Rabel, and I do think that he's going to be able to turn the defense around. But it's going to be interesting, you know. You bringing in a lot of young players on that defense. They did lose a lot of their key veterans. Will they be able? to turn around I do like Bud Dupree but I think he was injured most of last year was he I don't think he really played much for the Steelers is that correct
3: I mean I think he was out there some but um I, thought he got a I don't think he had as good of a season I'll look it up but I do I am looking forward to on June 15th us getting us an angry letter from Joe Horn the same way all the networks did on draft night coverage since you forgot about his son
1: did they? I did not even know that. No, I, well, hey, look, he was my top cornerback. I just couldn't remember his name for some reason. It just it escaped me at the moment. So, uh, Matt, what do you expect from this offense in twenty twenty one? Again, they let go of Corey Davis, who had for the most part a resurgent year. There, it was a little bit of that fifth year breakout we got to see out of Devontae Parker a couple years ago. AJ Brown was. Uh, fantastic whenever he was on the field and not there with injuries. And, of course, we saw Derrick Henry once again was one of the best running backs in the league. They didn't do much to add to the offense in losing John Smith and Corey Davis. They do have some young players that maybe could step up. What are you expecting overall from the offense?
3: It's going to be a work in progress. You know, Brian Tannehill was QB 7 last year in fantasy. Um, really made a lot out of the receivers. They still have AJ Brown, but beyond him, it's a it's a pretty big question. Guys like Adam Humphreys may not set the world on fire, but that was a big piece of their offense. They saw him go. Corey Davis had a pretty strong twenty twenty. They let him go. John o. Smith seemed to be putting it together. They let him go, and now you got kind of a, a whole new group. Um, I know in several of the mocks they were mocked as taking a receiver high. I personally thought they were going to take a receiver, at least in the first couple of rounds. They didn't. Uh, And when they did take a a receiver, it was a little bit of a head scratcher. So if they managed to trade for Julio Jones, it might bail out what has seemed to be a weird off season and draft for the Tennessee offense. But aside from that, I think their offensive formula is going to be very close to the same as what it's been the last few years. Can we give Derrick Henry, 500 carries and have him live to the end of the
2: season. Yeah, I, I think it'll come down to how well uh, Todd Downing, I think he's really the key addition to that offense is that the new offensive coordinator. Um, I, I think it'd be crazy to go in there and try to change a lot of what they've been doing because they've been successful and you still have Derrick Henry and you still have A.J. Brown. I don't think there's going to be as much of a drop-off from uh, Jonu Smith to Anthony Ferkser. Uh, If you look at last season, you know Smith had 65 targets with 41 catches uh, and eight touchdowns is really where he separated himself from Ferkser. Ferkser Ferkser had two fewer catches and uh, about 70 fewer yards. So the, the yards and touchdowns are really what separated Smith and Ferkser. So I think they'll continue to do the same thing and reports out of camp so far, Ben Ferkser has looked fantastic. Uh, You know, I I posted about submitting my dynasty rankings. Uh, I probably have Ferkser too low considering he's only 25, but I feel like he's also, he's gonna be assigned to that tight end six to 18 purgatory for the next six or seven years Uh, And Unless he has some sort of Delaney Walker breakout, I I think that's where he'll just kind of hang out. And and I don't know that we're going to see a lot of those types of breakouts in the NFL. You know, Walker, he spent, what, four years in San Francisco. um, And then when he uh, moved over to Tennessee, he really broke out and became a threat. I mean, it could happen, but... Des Fitzpatrick and uh, Josh Reynolds, they're going to have to have some guys step up on the other side of uh, A.J. Brown. We've seen Brown do it now for two years on being super, super efficient, Um, but they let – who was the right tackle? They let go to Conklin, went to Cleveland last year. Uh, There was some drop-off with his fill-in. I know they – didn't they draft a tackle this year? Uh, if I remember correctly,
1: Dylan said at so, North Dakota State,
2: yeah, and and they need to you know, you know because Dennis Kelly you know wasn't the answer and and whoever else they've had there, so it, it'll be interesting. I feel like they're, I, I feel like this year Tennessee is kind of primed for a status quo kind of year. I, I feel like they're going to be looking at you know they're not it's going to be some people coming out of nowhere if they're going to take another step. Henry's still going to get the ball a lot. A.J. Brown is going to lead them in targets. They're going to not throw the – they're going to be in the middle of the pack in pass attempts. You know, they're not all of a sudden going to go throw the ball 600 times. I don't know. What did uh, Tannehill? 481 times last year. So uh, I'm not expecting that to go up by 100 by any stretch of the imagination. So – um their offense it other than you know the big three there it's it might not be fantasy gold i think uh from an overall perspective it wouldn't surprise me if their team points per game dropped a little bit maybe we'll actually see and evans
3: do something
1: maybe maybe Uh, Yeah, I I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back. I just – I don't know how you lose all these pieces and don't really replace any of them. Now, again, as we joked at the beginning of the show, if they get Julio, that's going to change things quite a bit. But as of the way the roster stands now as we are recording, I just – I don't believe Tannehill is the kind of quarterback that can carry an offense. And as good as Derrick Henry is, I don't know if they can turn around and hand the ball off to him 300 times and still win many games if you don't have a dominant defense, which I don't expect them to have much of either. So I I really think this is, you know, if Houston wasn't in a place that they were right now, maybe they would be the clear favorites to win this division. I don't see that happening. You know the Colts. I like the Colts a lot, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit as well. But still, a lot of questions around Carson Wentz. So I, I still think this is the Titans' division to lose because I don't see the Jags jumping up either. Uh, but I don't expect them to be quite as good as we expected them to be the past two years. I mean, what was it two years ago they were a couple plays away from being in the Super Bowl against the what they played? They lost in the Chief, to the Chiefs, right in that AFC yeah, Championship the game. Chiefs. So I mean, they were they were a couple of plays away from from that. I don't expect them to be anywhere close to that team, and I don't even really think they're going to be as good as the team as they were last year. And I think they were still kind of a a, a middling team. I mean, they only finished what was it, eleven and 5 So I mean, better than thanks what I expected, to a nice but... nice schedule, though. Yeah, I mean they got they got trounced um, by the Browns last year. So
3: I don't know if you saw, but you were correct. Bud Dupree tore ACL
1: in December. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, Ooh, so will he even be back to start the season? I mean, I would think so.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think they think he's going to be back, but that's allegedly why Pittsburgh didn't tag him and why his costs came down a little bit. It was December 3rd against Baltimore.
1: You know, that that worries me a lot more because – and maybe I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't go in and actually read the story, so I'm probably going to be reporting some fake news here, but maybe one of you two saw this so you can correct me. I saw a tweet the other day that there's a chance that Saquon Barkley starts the season on a limited uh, snap yeah, because of his knee.
3: one of the guys I follow who's a physical therapist said he thinks that's possible too, which – could be uh, an interesting, you know. They did sign Devontae Booker, who we saw fill in yeah. pretty decently for Josh Jacobs. There are actual respected injury people who are saying Barkley would probably be limited to start and work his way in.
1: But he, so, but Barkley only tore his ACL as well, right? I'm not misremembering yeah. that. It was just his ACL.
3: I'm pretty sure it was his ACL uh, and MCL, so, but it was in September. Uh, right?
1: that's why i'm trying to figure out yeah but i still think you've got to be able to be a little bit shifty as a linebacker i mean obviously you're not trying to like juke people out of their shoes like a like a running back is but you still gotta have some good burst and and side to side movement as a linebacker so that's why i'm asking because i feel like saquon barkley tore his in september dupree tore his in december but they're expecting him to be back and fully healthy is just a Part ACL,
3: partially torn meniscus, and strained MCL, which won't have to be fixed in surgery.
1: Okay, so maybe it was a little bit worse than Dupree's. All right, so fantasy finishes and projections – projections here as Matt mentioned Dennis uh Ryan Tannehill finished as QB seven last year with uh 3,819 passing yards 33 touchdowns seven interceptions 266 rushing yards and seven touchdowns on the ground do you expect him to be a top 10 quarterback in 2021
2: I think I've got him projected to come in like around the QB 11 or 12 um uh, I haven't finished up my rankings, my redraft rankings, but it feels like with the direction that team is going and the volume, uh, it, you know, what swayed him a lot is those seven rushing touchdowns. Now, that could put, that could stay pretty flat. He you know, if he ups that yardage a little bit, maybe gets a couple more rushing touchdowns. if they get Julio Jones, we're doing a lot of ifs here, but those are things that could positively impact Ryan Tannehill. But as the team sits right now, I'd be more comfortable saying, uh, I would put my money on no, he's not gonna be top 10. I don't think he's gonna be far off, probably somewhere between 11 and 13. But I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm going to say right now, today on June 14th in the future, uh, I'm going to say no. Yeah, that's
3: kind of the the big um, question for me. If he gets Julio Jones, I think he's closer to top ten. I think he's definitely a QB one. But without Julio Jones, I, I think this offense may be a little more conservative. I feel like he put up a little bigger numbers last year because their defense was so bad in some of those games that they had to kind of abandon a little bit of their formula and try to sling it more. You're right about the rushing touchdowns too. Ryan Tannehill has worked really well, I think, for Tennessee because he is efficient, um, and I think he finishes probably as a top-end QB2 somewhere between 12 and 15.
1: Yeah, I'm with you guys on him not finishing top 12. I don't know where I'm going to have him ranked yet. I haven't really started working on my 20 uh, 21 just uh, redraft rankings, like what I expect him to do for the year. I have him as QB 17 for Dynasty League. So, I mean, I still have him fairly high up there. He got pushed down because I do have uh, all three of, like, Lance. I'm sorry, all four, actually. Lance, Wilson, Fields, and Lawrence ahead of him in my dynasty rankings. So that pushed him down a little bit. If you were to take those four out, I'd have him right around 13. So, I mean, I I do expect him to still have a good season. He's a guy that I would draft, but again, I do expect him to take a little bit of a step back. Even with the rushing touchdowns, we keep seeing more and more of these athletic quarterbacks who can rush as well, getting those touchdowns, getting rushing yards. I think is going to help push guys like Tannehill down who aren't quite as good a passer as some of these other guys. So then, especially with the way like I said, I expect Tennessee's uh, offense to take a step back. I do not think he finishes in the top 10. Wouldn't be surprised if he finishes around 12, 13, 14, but I, I don't expect top 10. Derrick Henry Finished as RB3 last year, 378 carries, 2,027 yards, rushing 17 touchdowns, 19 receptions for 114 yards. Matt, what do you expect from Henry? Any concern about his workload from 2020? He has to fall off eventually. Is 2021 mm-hmm. going to be the year?
3: Well, I mean, if Henry falls off or gets injured, the Titans could go from decent shot at being in the playoff hunt to decent shot at being in the lottery hunt um, because they don't really have anyone behind him. We make jokes about, are we going to see Darrient and Evans? He'd be more of a kind of passing back. I don't know what they would possibly sign. If I was them looking at that, I might think about trying to add uh, one of these veterans that's hanging out there. You You know, you have a Ty Gurley, you have a Le'Veon Bell. If you could get one of them to just stash behind him just in case, because 378 carries is a lot. We've seen guys that have had that over 350 or 400 carry threshold struggle or be prone to injury the following season. That being said, the Titans probably in a 17-game schedule now need him to run at least 450 times if they're going to be successful and make it back to the playoffs because they, we talked about they're kind of – in new space with a lot of their receivers. Uh, they've always been kind of a ground and pound offense. That's what they need out of Derrick Henry, and if he
2: can hold up, they're going to keep feeding him the ball. Now, I, I I don't feel like we're looking at a drop-off this year. Uh, I, I feel kind of about Henry, though, like I did about Zeke last year. I, I, I think that it may be time, if you can get out with a nice, package you know two three first rounders a player and a couple first rounders it might be the time to move on now one thing henry does have going for him he's going to be 27 this year but he only had 400 carries in his first three seasons so he wasn't worked really hard those first three years Um, now he's had almost 700 carries his last two seasons and I expect him to be in that 350 to 375 range again this year, but he's also built for it. You know, he's six foot three, 250 pounds or 260 pounds. And that's just sort of what his game is. He dishes out the the punishment. He still has decent speed. He's He's never, to my knowledge, really suffered much of an injury. He doesn't have an injury history to speak of. So I, I'm hesitant to pro- project any kind of injury occurring. And I don't see a scenario where they change what they're doing, even with the new offensive coordinator. They didn't change what their the basis of their weapons are. It's still Tannehill, it's still A.J. Brown, it's still Derrick Henry. Ferguson is going to step in and do pretty much what John U. Smith did. And they're going to bring somebody in to do what Berkser did. And it's going to come down to how effective are they going to be? Because everybody knows what they do, but not everybody can go out and all of a sudden come in with, you know, five, 280 to 330 pound linemen to go up against that power attack. You know, teams have, there's, there's been a shift on defense to smaller linebackers, um, bigger safeties, but smaller linebackers, and they're playing more of a hybrid, uh, some lighter defensive ends. And and that, I think, is helping players like uh, Derek Henry and Saquon Barkley uh, and Zeke Elliott, who are in the 230-pound range and able to, to dish out some punishment. I, I like Henry to be still be a top five back this year Uh, I don't know that he's going to go for 2,000 yards even with the extra game but I do feel like he's looking at a what it is last two seasons he's averaged over five yards of carry Uh, if he doesn't break five yards a carry this year I'm probably chalking it up to his offensive line but I think he's going to have a good year but if I have the opportunity, like I said, to get a haul for him, especially if I have him on a team that I that I feel like needs to reset, this could be a beautiful opportunity to really just cash in, especially if he starts out hot. So uh, I like Henry this year, but uh, his decline I think will be given, those first three years is probably going to be a little bit later than some of the other backs. So he's probably got a, a couple championship team years, fantasy team years left in him.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't sell him just yet. And I don't think he's going to fall off the cliff in 2021 because of what Dennis just mentioned. The fact that he wasn't quite getting the cares. I mean, you go back to what he was doing early uh, earlier in his career. And a lot of people thought he was a bust. I remember seeing him getting traded for, Uh, I mean, things that you would just laugh at if someone sent you that trade offer nowadays. I know one of my home dynasty leagues, I think he got traded for like Devontae Parker and a third or something like that. I mean, he was just horrible earlier on in his career. And some of that I think had... To do, obviously, with how good Zeke had been performing as well. Both those two were, I think, typically the top two picks in their draft class and rookie rookie draft. So, yeah, he, he didn't have the workload. He's obviously been making up for that, though, the past couple of years with the way Tennessee has been riding him. But I don't expect him to quite fall off because he hasn't really given any indication that he's going to. I do think that, like, once he starts hitting that. It's going to be a quick drop off for him. I don't think it's going to be a gradual thing, just with the punishment that he takes. But he's not a small human being either. He he's one of those guys where, like, you if aliens were to come to the planet, he's one of those guys you push to the front of the line to maybe intimidate him a little bit because he's a massive human being. And I think yeah, uh, I think he's going to be if just fine this year. come,
2: the government announced last well, year no. that they've been here. Oh, and I know that
1: they like, Oh yeah, whatever. Right.
2: We're in a phase of it.
1: I'm talking about, like, if they actually, you know, just showed up one day. And was like, hey, you know, we're, we're you know, you're picking to fight somebody. He's one of those guys you push to the front line and be like, hey, you really want to mess with us? Because you're not pushing me up there. They're going to laugh at you. So Derek Henry, let him go up front. He's, he's a massive human being. But uh, I do agree with Dennis that if he gets off to a hot start and if you're one of those teams that – is not likely going to be in contention. Now would be the time to try and trade him to a contender because you might be able to get a nice little haul for him, and that's going to help the contender more than likely this year and possibly even next year. I do think he's got at least a year or two. I don't – I mean – I feel like I've been the Derrick Henry doubter for like the last three, four years. We've been doing this podcast now, and he's proving me wrong every year. So I'm just gonna flip the script. I'm not gonna doubt him this year, and and we'll see where that goes. Wide receivers All right. for Tennessee. Just put the curse on Derrick Henry. That's the hope. Then I can finally see him. So <laughs> gosh. Uh, I think uh, we we mentioned how. Thin this wide receiver core is, but they still have an absolute stud in AJ Brown, who finishes wide receiver twelve last year. Matt, do you have any idea how many games he did not play in last year, off the top of your head? Uh,
3: yeah, I have the, actually. The Titans up. He played in fourteen games, started twelve.
1: Okay, so he would—he only really missed two games then, which I thought it was more than that, but still. Two games, he still finishes his wide receiver 12, 70 receptions, 1,075 yards, and 11 touchdowns. What does A.J. Brown do for you this year in 2021, Dennis? And does Brown... Uh, wait. Besides Brown, any other Titan receiver worth starting? The only other big name that people have talked about is obviously Josh Reynolds, who they brought over. Finishes wide receiver sixty-two with the Rams last year: fifty-two receptions, six hundred and eighteen yards, and two touchdowns.
2: Well, I, I definitely think Reynolds can fill the Corey Davis role. So I I, I expect there to be status quo for AJ Brown. AJ Brown is going to be one of those guys that is you know he's going to keep being efficient until he's not. And you just don't know. At some point he's going to have an inefficient season. We don't know when that is. The question will be is how does he bounce back the next year? Will it be because of injury that causes him to have that off off year? What was it? He was playing on two bad knees last year and still put up A heck of a season, 70 catches, almost 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns in 14 games. So it feels like based on his history, he's probably going to miss a couple games this year. Uh, 106 targets, I feel like to me, he, he, he doesn't come off as a 150 target, 160 target guy like Odell Beckham or Michael Thomas. So he's probably a 120 target ceiling guy. 125 maybe uh, with a little more efficiency or a little less efficiency. So he's always going to be a touchdown guy. Uh, he's going to have some big plays. This year, what do I expect? He's been going in, in drafts. Uh, I think some, some as high as Wide receiver three, Uh, I'm more comfortable with him probably mid-second, late-second, even early-third if I can get him there uh, if I'm doing a startup. But I like Brown, man. The dude is talented. He's as – you know, I feel a little bit vindicated. As good as DK Metcalf is, I still think A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver off of that Mississippi team. Uh, from that from that draft, uh, pour one out for DeMarcus Lodge. Um, I, I, I like Brown to um, have another, I, I think he's gonna push for 80, 85 catches because he's gonna get a little more target volume. Um, it's a challenge to, to kind of you know hanging your hat on efficiency, just gives me pause sometimes but when they do it year after year after year it's like derrick henry's gonna have a drop off and big guys drop off fast but until he does you have to say okay he's he's doing he this is what the expectation is um you know lev bell and um, you know he was a 100 target 90 target re- receiver as a running back uh until he wasn't and you just sort of at You do your best to not get caught with a handful of guys that all drop off the cliff at the same time. I feel more like A.J. Brown as a wide receiver is going to have a bad year and a bounce back at some point. Um, It'll be interesting to see when Tennessee changes quarterbacks, what happens to A.J. Brown, um, what kind of quarterback they bring in. Do they go with a rookie? Do they bring in a vet? Uh, I, I think we're still a couple of years away from that. It'll be it would be super interesting, I think, to see what happens when if he has uh, a legitimate stud like Julio Jones across from him. That would I, I don't I have no idea how I would project that. You're still going to think, oh well, he's going to be efficient, but is he going to be efficient on 80 targets or is he going to be efficient on 110 targets? So I think if you have AJ Brown, you're certainly not selling him. And if you're trying to acquire him, um, you know, maybe you're trying to, to sell the fact that you expect the Tennessee offense to decline a little bit. I'm in on Brown. I think he's, he's going to have a good year. At some point, he's going to have to be more volume-based, I think, and less efficiency-based. I don't know when that season's going to happen, but at some point, I expect that transition to happen.
3: So last year, Brown had 106 targets in uh, 14 games. Corey Davis had 92 targets, also only played 14 games. So I think if if you had – even if you had a Julio Jones in the mix playing across 17 games, if they could both stay out there, you could have a couple of guys getting 100-plus targets, uh, especially with the dearth of other options. However, in the offense they have now, I, I'm – I'm with Dennis. I actually, in Dynasty rankings, have A.J. Brown higher than D.K. Metcalf, too. I love A.J. Brown. I love what he's done, and he seems to be in a great situation there. Julio Jones obviously loves both those guys, too, because now the two teams that seem to be most closely connected to trading for him are Tennessee and Seattle. So either way, he'd, he'd essentially probably slot against one of those guys. If Tennessee's offense remains the way it is right now and Brown can stay on the field, I think 120 to 140 targets because you figure a bump up. If he would have played full 16 games, he probably was getting to 120 targets where he was, maybe even up to 150 targets depending on their offense. Hopefully around 90 receptions. I think he stays a wide receiver one. I don't see any reason why he drops off, especially since there's nothing else there right now in the Tennessee passing game.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if Julio comes here, that's going to change everything. I don't think it changes much for A.J. Brown. I would, still think he's going to end up being the better receiver on that team. I love Julio Jones. We've seen him decline a tad bit the past couple years, and I wonder – If he'll even stay on the field, although I guess A.J. Brown struggled with injuries too. They're going to be dynamic having both those guys for Ryan Tannehill. I I would not expect A.J. Brown to take much of a fall off if if Julio did come there. I mean, if he goes from wide receiver 12 to like 14, 15, obviously he's not going to be a high-end wide receiver one anymore, but still going to be a high-end wide receiver two. I I think he's going to have a really good year. What's more interesting to me is if Julio Jones doesn't go there, does a Des Fitzpatrick step, step up? Josh Reynolds, I mean, Nick Westbrook, is a Marcus Johnson. I mean, they don't have anybody. I know a lot of people are, are kind of excited about Des Fitzpatrick because of what he did in the senior bowl, had a decent season uh, his last year in college. I just I don't see it. I think it's going to be all A.J. Brown. So if you guys had to guess – which I should have asked this for Derek Henry, too, and I forgot to ask. If you had to guess with and without Julio Jones, Dennis, where do you expect A.J. Brown to finish fantasy-wise?
2: Fantasy-wise, A.J. Brown with Julio Jones. See, the I, I don't know that there's a ton of separation between those two um, rankings, with or without Julio, because I think with Julio, it makes that offense more dynamic. Uh, it might. It probably consolidates targets from guys like Josh Reynolds and Des Fitzpatrick, and uh, I know Khalif Raymond is gone, but whoever the heck those other guys. on, on Cameron the, Batson. Yeah, Cameron Batson. Yeah. So it likely consolidates their targets into Julio Jones. Um, what Tannehill had 481 attempts last year. I probably wouldn't see that going up more than well. In a 16-game season, if you added Julio, I feel like that might bump up only 30 or 40 more attempts. So 525 or something like that, 530. So that gives me A.J. Brown still around the 120, 110. Uh, last year he was 106. wide receiver six in points per game, I think wide receiver nine or, or wide receiver 12 in total points, but that was with two missed games. So I, I would still put him uh, on that points per game basis at the you know, wide receiver six or seven. And with Julio, maybe seven or eight, I might drop him a spot. The danger with Julio, I think though, is that he becomes more volatile. There's less consistency because all of a sudden you get Julio putting up a hundred yards and two touchdowns in a game. And and now instead of it being AJ Brown, having to step up as well, that now they've got those two touchdowns and uh, now they're giving it to Derrick Henry. So I could see a little more volatility. The end result likely the same wide receiver eight or nine uh, without Julio wide receiver six or seven.
3: So I think he's top finishes top ten without Julio Jones. With Julio Jones, you know maybe because you're sharing sharing more of the load, and and maybe because their offense is a little better, I would still have him probably between wide receiver twelve and fifteen.
1: Yeah, I think if without Julio, he's definitely. I think even top ten with Julio again. As I mentioned, I don't think he falls much. Probably as Matt just said, right around the fifteen range. And I'll ask about uh Henry since I forgot to ask earlier again RB3 last year any chance he falls out of the top 5 for either one of you
2: I don't think if he stays healthy uh you know he's he's it's all rushing volume for him and I still expect he's going to get 350 to 380 carries uh You know what, I don't think I
3: am projecting him in the top five currently because if you think about last year, we had basically almost no season from CMC, no season from Saquon Barkley. Um, I think those are challenges to being top five because especially most of us base our, and all these finishes that I have put into these are from PPR. Henry is not the receiving back. So he has to do everything on the ground for him to stay up there again. He would need to get between 15 and 20 touchdowns. again. he would probably need to get 2000 yards. Cause if you're competing against somebody, we saw CMC scored six touchdowns playing only three games. He's, You know, he's a beast in that offense. Barkley, we expect him to be part of the passing game when he comes back. Jonathan Taylor was held kind of in check by his own coaching staff for half the season. I think he takes a step forward. I still like Kamara. I feel like I'm – Dalvin Cook is still there. You never know what Aaron Jones is going to do in terms of touchdowns and passing game work and stuff. You know, now that Jamal Williams is gone. I think Henry is in the top 10, but I would not put him as a lock for the top five.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Matt. I, just looking at my rankings right now, I don't have him even in the top 10. That's dynasty, though. But looking at the players I have above him, I'd move him up a little bit uh, because like, I wouldn't take a – I don't think J.K. Dobbins has a better year than him, but I expect him to have like a better long-term career. I wouldn't put Najee Harris right now ahead of him. But I can see him finishing closer to 10 than 5. I know that, obviously, as Dennis mentioned, the volume that he gets, and he tends to produce when he gets that volume, is going to be huge for him. It's the lack of receiving that worries me a lot with Derrick Henry. So I would not put him up there in the top five. Last but not least for the Titans, before we move on to the Colts, Anthony Ferkser, he's the only tight end, it seems, left here for the Titans. Finishes tight end 26 last year, 39 receptions, 587 yards, and three touchdowns. Where do you have Ferxer finishing, Dennis?
2: I if I had to bet money, you know, they're gonna have they're gonna bring somebody else in and keep splitting the role like they did with Ferkser and Jonu Smith. I don't expect Ferkser to all of a sudden go up to 75, 80 targets uh, because Jonu Smith is gone. They're, they're going to use, I think they have, uh, I feel like, Nicole Pruitt or some other guys there that uh, will step in, be that second tight end. Will he get a little bit of a bump? Um like I said, there was only two uh, reception difference between Ferkser and Johnny Smith. Oops. It was basically the the touchdowns.
3: Johnny Smith got eight touchdowns. That was kind of what put him
2: yeah over. So, and and I think Ferkser is going to get some of that, but it'll end up being um, I'm trying to see who there are. yeah, Nicole Pruitt. Uh carry blazing game is their full back. So they'll they'll spread it around at tight end with Ferkser being at, at the top. He'll probably go from 53 targets to 65 targets, maybe. Um I could see him getting 45, 48 catches. So uh he's gonna be in that tight end six to eighteen. Milo. Uh, yeah. Uh, it won't surprise me if he's tight end six and it won't surprise me if he's tight end 18. Uh it, It's, it's hard to pin down, Uh but I, I expect he's probably going to be uh, right around the, I don't know, tight end 13. Let's see, where did they, where did the tight ends finish for them last year?
3: Well, he was 26. So I think Johnny Smith was 16.
2: Yeah. And so it was, and Johnny was because of the touchdown. So I, I feel like, Tight end 16 to 18 is probably
3: the sweet spot for Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, the, the thing that's appealing to me about Ferkser is he's not a sexy name, and he seems to be a guy that's just floating out there on the waiver wires or is really at the bottom end of drafts because people forget about him. And he does track to be the starter for a team that does not return much in the way of, of passing game elements. That being said, he, he's a tight end too. He's probably a middle – back tight end too, but he is a guy I've been scooping up to put in there. Not a bad bye week fill-in. If you're in tight end premium or you have to start two tight ends, at least you know he's probably got a solid role.
1: Yeah, especially if Julio doesn't show up. Though. I mean, Ryan Tannehill can only throw it to a certain amount of guys, and I, I don't think he's quite the athlete that Johnu is, uh, but if they use him down in the red zone like they had used Janu Smith at times, I do think that he can easily – be a high-end tight end two finisher, as, as Dennis has mentioned. I think it was last episode, maybe the episode before that. It seems like everyone from tight end 6 through 20 is kind of mingled together. So it's not hard to finish anywhere up there if you get a couple of touchdowns. All right. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we had pre-recorded the Tennessee Titans uh, team preview, and as we talked about during the show, uh, we thought the Julio trade might go down before we uh, before this episode aired, and it did. So Dennis and Matt were able to join me really quick. We're going to talk about our thoughts on Julio going to the Tennessee Titans, and we're adding this in before we talk about the next team here. So Dennis, I'll kick it off to you. Julio goes to the Titans. What are your thoughts uh, for him? What does this mean for A.J. Brown? Just kind of give us your quick overall thoughts on what this means for the Tennessee Titans, Julio Jones, and the offense. So
2: I don't think it fundamentally changes what the Titans are going to do on offense. It helps Derrick Henry by opening up the the box. I don't think that he's going to see as many eight-man boxes. But – Calvin Ridley was, had already surpassed Julio Jones as the 1A in Atlanta. A.J. Brown is the 1A in Tennessee. Julio, as long as he stays healthy, is gonna get opportunity. I could see each guy getting a close to a 30% target share. They're both gonna put up pretty good numbers. Tennessee in general is a pretty efficient offense. Uh, A.J. Brown, in particular, is very efficient. Uh, So they're going to put up decent numbers. And I I don't see any scenario where there's an argument who is the wide receiver one there. I think A.J. Brown will defer um, socially. But when they get on the field, it's A.J. Brown leading the pack. Julio is there to help him win. Julio wants to to win a title. Uh, he's in a good opportunity to. So I think AJ is, <clears throat> is going to be looking at 150 targets. Uh, Julio, 120 targets. Somewhere in that range. I, I think Julio's catch rate will be down a little bit because he'll get the deeper targets. But they're going to both put up really good seasons.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't Think it really changes what Tennessee's doing on offense, either. We had wondered when, uh, when we recorded the podcast originally. You know, I think a lot of us seemed to lean toward the Colts being more of a favorite in that division because Tennessee's had seemed to do uh, a lot of subtractions to the offense during the offseason, which might hurt them. I think this gives them a better chance. Uh, Competing a more dynamic offense might actually return them back uh, to being semi-favorite, in that division makes them a strong playoff contender. Brian Tannehill threw the ball 481 times last year. You figure with a 17-game schedule, he's going to throw between 500 and 550. They vacated 192 targets out of that offense last year, 92 to Corey Davis, 35 to Adam Humphreys, who was their wide receiver three, 65 from Jonu Smith. The only guys they added were Josh Reynolds from the Rams. They drafted Dez Fitzpatrick, fourth round pick. A lot of us think that that was kind of a little bit of a a project. I know some people were hoping to strike gold, grabbing him in the third and fourth round of rookie drafts and that the opportunity might carry him. Looks like that's kind of – it can be set aside for 2021. Anthony Ferkser had 53 targets last year. Even if he goes up to 70 targets, that's not like he's taking 70 of that available pool of targets – I tend to be with Dennis. I think A.J. Brown sees between 140 and 150 targets. He saw 106 last year in 14 games. I think Julio Jones sees somewhere between 110 and 140 targets. A.J. Brown, to me, is still a wide receiver one in Dynasty. I think he ends up finishing as a wide receiver one still this season. Corey Davis was wide receiver 30 for the Titans last year, saw 92 targets, got 65 of them for 948 yards, five touchdowns. I think we'll all agree that Julio Jones slightly better than Corey Davis probably sees a few more targets. I think he finishes as a wide receiver too in 2021 for me in dynasty. He's still a wide receiver three because of age and the stage he is in his career.
1: Yeah, I think it was a great move by Tennessee's. I think it helps their overall offense. Uh, You know, uh, it helps it helps teams not be able to stack the box against Derrick Henry now because you stack the box, and now all of a sudden you have A.J. Brown, who, in my opinion, is one of the best one-on-one wide receivers in the game, and then you've got a deep threat in Julio Jones as well now on the outside. So you've got two guys now going one-on-one. One of those guys is likely going to win their matchup, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I want to say it, was, it had to have been John Hanson. I know it's flipping back and forth between Sirius XM, but I'm pretty sure that's what I was listening to this morning, who said that on a point, I believe it was points-per-drop-back basis – In the past four years, Ryan Tannehill is the most productive QB behind Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson one, Ryan Tannehill two. He's been very productive, very consistent. Adding a guy like Julio Jones only helps that. Um, You know, I I actually think uh, A.J. Brown, I don't want to say takes a a big step back, but might take a little bit of a step back because I think most defenses are still going to view him as the top wide receiver on that team. So I think he's going to continue to get the better cornerback matchups which means if Julio's going up against a second cornerback on a team, I actually like my chances with him getting open more than maybe an A.J. Brown. Uh, but I agree with what Matt just said. I think Julio, wide receiver two this year. I, I just don't see the point dropping him much. So maybe he won't be as heavily targeted like he may have been with Atlanta. Still think he's going to get a lot of passes. I know everybody keeps saying, you know, this offense is going to run through Derek Henry. And I do think for the most part it will. But we don't know how much it's going to shift. With the new offensive coordinator, he was a tight end coach last year. We don't know that he's just going to feed Derrick Henry the ball 50 times a game. I'm being a little bit facetious there, but I think Derrick Henry is still going to be a stud. But I would not be surprised if they pass the ball a little bit more having Julio and A.J. Brown. So I think both are going to be really good this year. Uh, you know, I'm, I might kick a, back a little bit on the wide receiver three for fa- for dynasty on Julio. Um I still think he's got a lot left in the tank. If, if you're looking to win now, I think I'd st- I think I have him still ranked as a as a top uh, 24 wide receiver in Dynasty ranks as well. still think you can get two or three years out of him, and, and in Dynasty, that's kind of all I'm looking down the road is two or three years because you never know how long a Dynasty league is going to last, so I'm trying to win now or in the near future every single year, uh, but I think both are, are going to be great this year as Derek Henry and Ryan Tannehill. I think this whole offense gets a bump up.
2: So, which which wide receiver faced the number one cornerback in Tennessee last year?
1: I would assume it was AJ Brown, Hadron uh, Brown.
2: Yeah, yeah. How'd that work out? It's, it doesn't matter if he's going to face the number one wide receiver this year. He's still going to be the 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 guy. No, that's in charge. That's
1: not my argument, though. My argument is now Julio is getting the second cornerback, and as Matt just mentioned, I think we all agree is much better than Corey Davis. So I think he has a chance to get open a lot quicker than AJ Brown does. I, I think that Well, he's I don't know if he's just as get fine.
2: Open quicker because he's the he's the downfield guy. <clears throat> so he's gonna be have the the higher A dot. I have Julio as my Dynasty wide receiver point So I do have him as a wide receiver three for Dynasty. Um I, I think it would be I would love to see the new offensive coordinator come into Tennessee and go, you know what? We're still going to run Derrick Henry 20 times a game, but we're also going to throw it 50 times a game and we're going to be fast. Well, I, I don't
3: did think the, that's uh, going to happen. I did the quick math. Henry had 378 carries. That's actually less than 24 carries a game. So <laughs> it feels like a million carries a game, but maybe it's a little more reasonable than we thought because he doesn't really do much in the passing. In the passing game, so you're probably only talking 26, 27 touches a game.
1: All right. All right. The Indianapolis Colts. This is definitely one of the more intriguing teams, in my opinion, going into the 2021 season. In 2020, they finished in second place with an 11 and 5 record. They lost to the Bills 27 24 in the wild card round. Key additions, Eric Fisher, left tackle. They traded for Carson Wentz, quarterback, and the offensive. They also brought in the outside linebacker, Malik Jackson. Their key losses, Phillip Rivers, who retired, Justin Houston, linebacker, and tight end Trey Burton. Draft picks in the first round, they took Quiddy Pay, the defensive end, Dio Ugen Bayo, Bo. Oh, there we go. The defensive end in the second round. And then in the fourth round, they took tight end Kylan Granson. The big question, really the main question for the Indianapolis Colts here, Matt, was Carson Wentz. They traded for him, brings him back in with, um, my God, not Doug Peterson. Frank Frank Reich. Frank Reich. I don't know why Doug Peterson is sitting on my mind. Doug Peterson is not coaching in the NFL currently. Could change, obviously, by the time this episode (laughs) airs. But as of right now. He is not in the NFL. They bring him back with Frank Reich and put him, in my opinion, with a better team than he has had, even with his time in that Super Bowl run with the Philadelphia Eagles. Can he return to form in Indianapolis?
3: So if Doug Peterson was coaching based on what we saw last year, I don't think he would go to the team where Carson Wentz is or Carson Wentz wouldn't want to be on the team that he is. Uh, They didn't seem like they were vibing. Uh, but Wentz had his best professional season when Reich was his offensive coordinator. That was the year uh, the Eagles ended up going to the Super Bowl. Wentz wasn't the guy in the Super Bowl or even in the playoffs because he got injured, but he looked pretty dynamic. There was talk of him in the MVP conversation along the way. Can he get back to that form? That's what the Colts have to be banking on. The Colts have been a pretty impressive and successful team when you consider that they are on their fourth starting quarterback in four years. You know, they had Andrew Luck, he retired. They turned it over to Jacoby Brissett. That didn't work out. They brought in Philip Rivers. They actually did pretty well considering, you know, I know we talked about it a lot at the beginning of the season. Phillip Rivers definitely did not look the same. I was not shocked uh, that he retired. And they were very competitive with the Bills team that went all the way to the AFC championship game. So if they can get better play from Carson Wentz, they have some great pieces around them. They have a decent offensive line. They have a great young running back in Jonathan Taylor. They have great running back depth, as Frank Reich likes to remind us. He has four or five guys he might want to use in the backfield. They have a lot of wide receivers, um, and they have a pretty, pretty good defense. So I actually think that, to me, I, I know – you guys mentioned you thought the Titans were still maybe the favorites there. To me the Colts are the favorites. I thought going out and getting Carson Wentz made a lot of sense um, as long as you know he, he'll be comfortable in the system as long as he can avoid some of the pitfalls and turnovers he had in Philly which I think is a result too. Last year the Eagles did not have much of a line, did not have much in the way of weapons. Um, I don't think I put that all on Carson Wentz. He needed a change of scenery, and this ends up being the perfect spot for him. I think that it's wheels up for the Colts having a clear shot at winning this division.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree with you that the I think the Colts are the favorites in the division. Um, I, I like Wentz. I have Wentz as my dynasty QB 19, and I'd have him higher – but he's a reclamation project of sorts right now. He's shown flashes. He he could be a lot better, or he could be a guy who is up and down, hot and cold, looks great one game, in the tank the next. Uh, I think we need to sort of see how this shakes out. I think he's like 28 years old now or something. And the... The Colts ha- have a good offensive line with Costanzo retiring. That was quite a hit. I don't know if Fisher is going to be ready to start the season, uh, but they did sign Sam Tevy and Julian Davenport as well. So they've got some depth at the offensive line. Uh, I think Fisher is clearly the starter uh, if if healthy. Uh, but with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, uh, Jordan Wilkins and, and – uh, Marlon Mack. They've got depth at, at running back, wide receiver even. Uh, you know, I'm big on Michael Pittman. And I think that Pittman is the big, big bodied guy. Paris Campbell is the movable chess piece. And, and T. Y. Hilton, even though he's getting up there, he can still get down the field. Um I think Hilton's snaps are gonna go down. Zach Pascal has shown that uh he can he can do some things when he's on the field. Uh I think he's you know, uh, a journeyman that – Zach Pascal is a dirty work kind of guy, uh, and I think that's why he sticks uh, uh, as well as he does. He's, he's the, the quintessential wide receiver 3-4 on a team. You know you can count on him for a stretch, and he's going to do all the right things when he's in there, but there's always going to be somebody that's more athletic, has just a little better hands, a little bit faster, there's always going to be one of those guys there that that they're going to slot in based on potential ahead of him. But you know when Pascal goes out there, he's going to step up. And I think those are all of the things that are going to make Carson Wentz, that can make Carson Wentz successful and, and make him successful long term. So I, I have a lot of hopes. It wouldn't surprise me if at this time next year when I'm doing my dynasty rankings that I have Wentz as quarterback, you know, 13 instead of Nineteen, maybe even eleven or twelve. If if the team looks like it's going to stay together, they they show well. I I could see moving him up because he is he is fairly mobile. I mean, he's not going to run like you know Kyler Murray or anything, but he also isn't a Tom Brady esque statue in the pocket.
1: Yeah, I am very excited about him coming over to India. As I just mentioned, I think he's got by far the best offensive line and weapons around him that he's had his entire career. And I don't mean that as a shot toward Philadelphia because they had some really good teams up throughout their time there with him. But I really think what India has been doing these past couple of years has been phenomenal. You know, we talked about it last year. Had, they, had Andrew Luck – been on this team, I think they would have been a Super Bowl favorite, in my opinion, with how good this team is. You bring in a guy like Carson Wentz, who Well, I think Phillip Rivers has a shot to get into the Hall of Fame. You know, Carson Wentz, I think, overall has better talent. Can he rebound from the injuries is really my biggest question. I think he can. I do think that Reich is going to kind of build this offense around him and play to his strengths. He does seem like a very good coach outside of uh, his running back splits, which just makes no sense to me. So I I do think that Carson Wentz is going to bounce back and have a very good season. You know, if you bought low – on him last year uh, in hopes that he might get traded after everything started going down with the rumors between Jalen Hurts and everything. You might've ended up getting a steal from him. I, I really do think he's going to have a very good year. Dennis mentioned a lot of the wide receivers. I like him, you know, Paris Campbell, another guy love Paris Campbell. If he can stay healthy, it could be a game changer for him as well. And then Matt, I think we all love Michael Pippen. So I think this could be a really, really good year for the Colts and for Carson Wentz. So that being said, Dennis, how far do you think this team can go in 2021?
2: Well, I definitely think they're the favorite to win the division. Um, Whether or not they avoid a wild card game, I probably would say not. Uh, I mean, it could happen, but I I don't think that they're going to get past the Chiefs uh, or even the Browns um, from that perspective. I don't know. I don't know if I... Think anybody from the AFC East is going to uh, push for the top spot in the AFC? Um, so they're definitely a playoff team. Uh, I feel like it's well within the range of outcomes that they make the second round, maybe even the conference finals. Uh, they they could upset one of the other teams in the in the second round. So I, I feel like they're a wild card plus for the playoffs.
3: Yeah, prior to the two thousand nineteen season, when it looked like Andrew Luck was going to be there, I thought the Colts were potentially Super Bowl contenders with what they were putting in there. That set them back a little bit, and you've seen the AFC have some teams that have come up. The Chiefs have pretty well established themselves as a force. Cleveland and Baltimore have gotten a lot better. I I like the Bills. I know you, uh, Dennis said trust anyone in the AFC East. I still like the Bills with Josh Allen with what they're doing. So I think the Colts are the best team in their division. Uh, I would expect them to win the division. I think they could make a playoff run, uh, but it's not going to be easy. They have the potential and the pieces to go through the AFC, but that's, that's a tough road.
1: Yeah, I it, oh, man, it's it's weird to say cuz I, I really do like Carson Wentz and I think it really this team hinges on him cuz they've got a good defense, got a good run game, but can Carson Wentz kind of win them those big games? We did see him do that with Philadelphia. I mean, realistically, that dive into the end zone was his competitiveness trying to help them win those games. I you know, I know it, people you know, hit back on, in my opinion, he should have won the MVP that year, but you know what? He got hurt and and Tom Brady ended up winning it. I really do think if Wentz would have stayed healthy though, he wins the MVP that season. I do think that they probably end up winning this division. You know, we just chronicled with all the issues we think the Titans could end up having. I think the Colts clearly have a better team. And if Carson Wentz can even bring back, you know, the value that Philip Rivers gave, where again, I do think at this point in his career, Carson Wentz is better than what Philip Rivers was last year. They should win this division. How high do I expect him to be? I could see him being that three or four seed. I still think the Chiefs are obviously the team to be in the AFC. And just with what Baltimore and Cleveland are doing, I kind of feel like the AFC North, even Pittsburgh, really, I, I think it's Big Ben can, I mean, I don't know about that zip, Zipping throws thing tweets. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, him looked like he was. They said he was zipping throws out there, and it looked like my five year old was throwing that ball down the field. It was not not great, but I think all three of those teams, I think, have a shot to be the second seed with how good they've had they were last year and the off seasons they had. So I do think the Colts could easily be the three or four seed. I do think they end up winning this division though over the Titans as of right now. I actually think I had them winning the division over the Titans when we did our, when we did our first sketch. I oh, don't know. I still have the tab up, so let me pull it up really quick. Nope, never mind. It already reset. But I'm pretty sure I had them winning the, the division. No, here we go. Yes, I did at 12 and 5. I actually didn't even have the Titans making the playoffs at 9 and 8. So I had the Colts winning at 12 and 5, and did I have them as the 3 seed? They were the 4 seed. So I'll stick with that. Why not, you know? And then they'll stick with my very early prediction when I had a bunch of teams going one in 16, which makes no sense. Fantasy finishes and fantasy projections. Carson Wentz had his best season with Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator. Can he be QB one in 2021? Last year, he finished QB 22, 2,620 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 276 rushing yards and five touchdowns. So Dennis, can he be a QB one in 2021?
2: Well, in 19, he threw the ball 607 times and uh, for 4,039 yards. And only, let's see, he had 27 touchdowns. So provided he stays healthy, he's going to definitely be in the mix in that wide receiver 10 to 14 range. Uh, It'll come down to can he convert? Uh, passing touchdowns. And he's probably good for. Oh, I don't see his rushing stats here, but I think he's a good for 150 200 yards a, a season rushing. You know, he's not a statue, but he's not going to get. He had
3: 276 and five touchdowns last year, playing 12 games.
2: Yeah, so he, he's he's fairly mobile. He's going to get out there and, and give us a little bit. Um, I, I feel like he's kind of in that that QB ten qb12 so low end qb1 high end qb2 is is where i would probably pick him to finish i think once i work out my um redraft rankings i i I expect him to kind of be in that range
3: so rivers last year was qb20 he threw for 4169 yards and 24 tds in this offense but he doesn't really add the rushing you saw Tannehill, who we just talked about with uh, about 3,800 yards, 33 passing touchdowns, the rushing puts him up to QB7. To me, I think Carson Wentz is somewhere in between there. I don't think he's going to have 30-plus passing touchdowns because they have a, a strong rushing game. But I think he adds some rushing dimensions that Rivers didn't have. If he can curb the turnovers, I think he's a fringe QB1. I would say that 10 to 15 range is where I would lock him in.
1: I agree. Yeah, I would I would, I would do the same thing. And so my I guess the question I'd ask you guys, because we just talked about the Titans, I think we all – I don't want to speak for both of you. I think Carson wants the better quarterback. But I do think Ryan Tannehill brings more rushing, especially with the rushing touchdowns. I don't know if we see Wentz run the ball as much because of the offensive line that Indy has and obviously the running backs that they have. I don't think he's going to be afraid to dump it off to Naheem Hines or Jonathan Taylor. So maybe we don't see him run as much uh, as we will of Ryan Tannehill. So which do you think finishes higher? Because I'm actually going to take Tannehill so I would not be surprised if we see him rushing the ball more because I don't know if he's going to be able to get the ball down the field as much as he was the past uh, past couple seasons.
2: So the question is, which QB am I ranking higher, Tannehill or Wentz? In
1: 2021, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I think Dynasty, we're all taking Carson Wentz. But just 2021, yeah. who you think has the better season? You know,
2: it – so we we all feel pretty comfortable. I think that Tannehill's attempts are capped at about five hundred and twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see where did uh, the Rivers do the ball only five hundred and forty-three. Yeah. So the question is: Is will will Wentz throw the ball significantly more than Rivers? Well, I think we've seen Wentz have a six hundred yard attempt season in Philadelphia, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But he also didn't have Jonathan Taylor as his running back at that point. Um, I think I'm going to – it wouldn't – it will not surprise me one bit to have them within two spots of each other with Tannehill getting the edge because of his rushing. Because I, I, I'm not sold that um, Wentz is going to throw the ball – 580, 600 times with that rushing attack. So I think 500 or 540, maybe 550 might be the ceiling on Wentz's pass attempts. Yeah. So in that season that Wentz played
3: with Reich uh, where, you know, we were talking about MVP 13 uh, games, he threw it 440 times. So you're probably right in the, you know, five to 550 seems, um, more likely we talked about, I don't love, you know, if Tennessee gets Julio Jones. I think it would be easier for me to see Ryan Tannehill definitely finishing slightly higher. But if you're talking about the teams as currently constructed, I think the Colts are a better, have a better overall passing weapons. Rushing touchdowns is what boosted Ryan Tannehill to me. That's a little bit fluky. So, I'm gonna say Wentz beats him by a hair, but those guys are really close.
2: Yeah, they could the, yeah. I feel like they're back to
3: back and you can coin yeah. for kind of who's who's the front yeah. and the back. With a Tom Brady somewhere in between. Yeah.
1: All right, so the running back position. Jonathan Taylor uh, did finish as a top-12 running back. Uh, someone called that. Just just saying. Just saying. Although it did, obviously, Marlon Mack getting hurt in the first game. Definitely, It, looked, know, looked, still, it looked bad for
3: you, you until, know, like, week 14. Yeah, and then he yeah, yeah, started it, taking it, that yeah, victory.
1: The take you take the ones you can get, and I got that one. Uh, did finish his RB6, though. As Matt was mentioning, didn't look pretty there for a while because of how often they were using Naheem Hines. Does end up getting 232 carries for 1,169 yards, 11 touchdowns, 36 receptions for 299 yards, and a touchdown. Does Jonathan Taylor finish as a top five back in 2021, Matt?
3: hundred percent. I mean, I think he has, you can make a case for him being RB one overall.
1: So then bringing back Marlon Mack doesn't scare you dogs. So we'll get to Naheem Hans in a minute.
3: I think Marlon Mack's Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins are
2: probably depth guys. So Marlon Mack is the Cameron artist pain of the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> and that as somebody who traded uh, Alvin Kamara in a rookie draft for the ability to be able to draft Zay Jones and Marlon Mack, whom both of which I did acquire uh, with that. Um, I, I'm as big a Marlon Mack fan as there is out there, but uh, I I don't expect him to bounce back strong from a torn Achilles.
3: Well, also, don't we think part of the reason he – opted to stay in Indianapolis was there's a good chance has been talked about all along that he starts the season on pup and that he needed to stay with a consistent medical staff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's, it's a feel good story. Him coming back when he comes in and plays this year, it's going to be a feel good story. He's been a cult his whole career uh, all four years now. And and so was he poised to maybe do something if they didn't if they didn't draft Jonathan Taylor, I mean, let's be real. He was not going to continue to be the starting running back when they drafted Jonathan Taylor. There was going to be a changing of the guard at some point last year. Uh, as, as much as I want Marlon Mack to to get an opportunity, uh, hes it, it's not going to happen in Indianapolis without something significant happening to Jonathan Taylor. So I have Jonathan Taylor ranked as my overall um as my dynasty running back one. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll have him as my uh, redraft running back one this year, but he's not going to be lower than maybe three or four at the worst. I expect Jonathan Taylor to have a, a really good year. Um, so, yeah, I I, I would I, if you had to press me and say, am I going to put money on whether he's top three? I'm going to go yes.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. He's he's number two for me uh behind CMC. I just I couldn't move him above CMC in dynasty leagues, but I've I've got him right there. I would not be surprised if if he finishes as RB one even this year with with the way we expect the Colts to be. You know, Naheem Hines doesn't really bother me. And I'm right there with you guys on Marlon Mack. Naheem Hines did though finish RB fifteen last year, 89 carries, 380 yards, three touchdowns, 63 receptions. 482 yards and four touchdowns. Dennis, I think this is the more interesting question when it comes to these running backs. Can Naheem Hines finish as a top 20 RB again?
2: Well, I think it comes down to can Naheem Hines keep convincing that coaching staff to take Jonathan Taylor off the field on third down when Taylor's catching 80% of the balls thrown to him and, and is more dynamic and more explosive and more powerful? than Naheem Hines. Uh, I, you know, I want to be able to you know, find a spot on my roster that where I feel comfortable saying Naheem Hines is this guy. And honestly, I need to have, if, I, if it's a start two running back, start three wide receiver, I probably need to have two to three flexes before I'm confident I'm going to stick Naheem Hines in my lineup on a weekly basis. So, you know that's a lot of starters. Uh, I want Hines to be consistent, but I feel Jonathan Taylor is just showing that he's good at he's good in the passing game. He's phenomenal in the running game. Uh, if I have to choose between having a six foot, two hundred and thirty pound guy picking up the blitz for me, or a five nine hundred and ninety pound guy picking up the blitz for me. I am almost always gonna pick that six foot 230 pound guy. So is, is Hines gonna get 63 receptions this year? Probably not. Uh, I feel I, I feel like Taylor's he had 36 last year and he caught an obscenely high amount of passes. Um, but I, I feel Taylor's in for a 250 250 carries. 50 reception season this year. And that's going to that's gonna cut into Naheem Hines' receptions.
3: I mean, Hines could finish top 20 because we've seen it. I 100% do not think he's going to. I think he finishes between RB 30 and 35. I also have high hopes Paris Campbell is back and stays healthy, and we don't know what that would have done to Hines being a receiver because Paris Campbell in the one game he was in there caught six passes for 71 yards. They – You know, hopefully we're getting better health from Michael Pittman, maybe a little more vertical offense, plus the emergence of Jonathan Taylor. You start mixing in a guy like Marlon Mack uh, somewhere down the line, and and Hines was a nice story, but I think he comes back to the pack a lot.
1: Yeah, I am with you guys. I I think he comes back a little bit. I I still – I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes top 30, but if I had to guess, I think I'd lean there with you guys and Matt go behind that probably – RB3035, 30, but I just. My biggest fear is Frank Reich let it happen so much last year. I think it's more of a Frank Reich thing than Naheem Hines convincing him. I think Frank Reich likes to have those two RB sets. And maybe it's not a bad thing, but we've seen that really kind of work out for Derrick Henry in a way, not having so many carries on those legs and looking at how it's extended his career. I'd love that for Jonathan Taylor because I think he's a phenomenal talent. So maybe they pull him off a little bit just to see Naheem Hines go out there because, again, he wasn't horrible. He's not the rusher that that Jonathan Taylor is. But if, if he can get out there and get some catches, I think That he'll still add some value to the running back position. The wide receivers, uh, obviously, a couple really interesting guys here. T.Y. Hilton finishes our wide receiver 42, 56 receptions, 762 yards, and five touchdowns. Michael Pittman, who did have a, in all honesty, very serious injury last year with that, uh, was it leg compartment syndrome, right? Is that correct? Which, you know, some people you know, struggle with just in daily life, not coming back. so the fact that he was able to go through that and come back and play last year, I thought was very encouraging. Ends up finishing his wide receiver 79, 40 receptions, 503 yards and a touchdown. Now, obviously Paris Campbell, who was targeted heavily in that first game had a really great breakout game and then injures his wrist and is not able to come back and play the rest of the year. Matt, which of these receivers do you think leads the Colts in 2021, and do you think any of them can be better than a wide receiver too?
3: I think Pittman ends up being the best uh, receiver overall, and I don't think any of them cracks the top 24.
2: Yeah, I I like Pittman a lot. My concern with Pittman is if you look at last season, and some of this I'm sure is on Phillip Rivers. But last season, Pittman's A dot was 8.4 yards. So he was being targeted close to the line. Um, even Paris Campbell in the two games he played was almost 12 yards uh, per target. And uh, T.Y. Hilton was 12.5 yards. Now, I expect Hilton to probably have the deeper depth of target, but I, I don't expect Pittman this season to basically be taking handoffs from the quarterback. Uh, I like Pittman to lead the team in targets and in receptions. Uh, He's—I would probably—I'd be okay um, in that twenty to twenty-eight range. So I—I I can see him being a, a low-end wide receiver too. Uh, but I'm not surprised if he's just outside of there. So he's—he's he's definitely got the upside. Some of it will come down to can he produce in the touchdown game? You know, it's what is he six-three? So yeah. if, if he he's the, he's the big guy in the end zone, you know. T.Y. Hilton's five ten, uh, Paris Campbell's six foot, but at six at three, uh, Pittman has the opportunity to become the red zone threat. Uh, you know they got Mo alley Cox back and Jack Doyle, but uh, I'm good. I'm I'm good with the. If I had to, if you're asking me, am I willing to bet a dollar he finishes as a? Wide receiver, too. Uh, I'd probably, I'd probably take take that.
1: Going all in on Paris Campbell. I just, cool. I, I think him being in the slot as explosive as he is, I really do think he's gonna end up being the guy for for Carson Wentz. I, you know, I know we're about to talk about the tight ends, and if they do end up trading for Zach Ertz, that might change my opinion a little bit. Don't have much faith in Mo Ali Cox. Jack Doyle and Jordan Thomas to kind of produce there. I think that Carson Wentz likes to hit those guys in the short area, and as you just mentioned, Dennis, you know, Michael Pittman wasn't getting a lot of that from Philip Rivers. I think if. Uh, Paris Campbell's there with his explosiveness and his ability. I think what he can do after the catch is going to make him a dangerous threat. You know, T.Y. Hilton has already talked about. He's excited to get those deep balls again from Carson Wentz. I think all three of these guys are going to take step up, a step up. If I had to bet on one, I think it's going to be Paris Campbell's. I think he's going to get a ton of targets like we saw last year in that first game. I think that translates over. If he stays healthy, getting a guy like Carson Wentz there behind center is going to help him. I think he ends up having a wide receiver two season and ends up being the best receiver on the Colts. Jack Doyle, tight end 40, 23 receptions, 251 yards, and three touchdowns last year. We saw in the past that Carson Wentz is not afraid to target his tight ends and they end up having big seasons. Granted, Zach Hertz is an absolute stud, assuming Zach Hertz is not ended up, doesn't end up here with Indy because, again, it's one of those things where he could be cut as of tomorrow. Uh, as we are recording this podcast ahead of time uh, because of cap stuff, so he could get cut and then end up signing with the Colts. But as of our recording, he is not with the Colts. So Jack Doyle, you either one of you, I'll start with you, Matt. Expect him to be a top tight end this year. Is he in for a big season?
3: I feel about you know I think he'll be a little bit better. Trey Burton gone. Um, that was forty-seven targets, twenty-eight receptions, three touchdowns. They kind of had a three-headed monster. Now you're maybe back down to a two-headed monster with uh, Doyle and Mo Alley Cox. I think he's going to be a solid tight end too, um, provided that the roster stays as it is. Um, but I, I don't think he gets up to tight end one.
2: If Doyle is going to have to come through with tight with touchdowns, um, but he's got he's. Yeah, he's going to be the inline guy. Mo Alley-Cox is going to be the move tight end. Cox is faster, more agile, can jump higher. Uh, I I want to go for the consistency that, that Doyle has, has provided in the past, but I, I, I feel like that ship has sailed. Uh, even if Ertz doesn't come and it's Doyle and Cox, I, I think... Doyle will lead them in snaps because when they're in 11 or 21 personnel, uh, you're probably going to have Doyle on the field. But I feel Cox will lead them in targets and receptions from the tight end position. Um, You know, interesting, looking at their advanced stats a little bit, um, Michael Pittman Jr. Led led all the receivers – I mean, I guess Ashton Doolin does count. He had three targets, or six targets and three catches, so it wouldn't say all. All the all, all the relevant receivers, Pittman led in yards after catch. He, he was at 7.3 uh, versus Campbell, who in his two games was at 3.0 yards after catch. Well, oh, and so. Pittman, 61
3: targets, 40 receptions only eight games, three starts. One of those games was when he got injured early on and had to come out. So it's, it's,
2: it's looking, could be, I, 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 if, if for some reason Reich says, look, I've got Paris Campbell and I've got Michael Pittman and I've got T Y Hilton and I've got Jonathan Taylor and I've got Naheem Hines. I'm going nuclear with this offense. Uh, It could be, they, they, they could very well, you know, if, if he goes 575 attempts, maybe, and still gets uh, Taylor 260 carries, it could the, the offense could surprise. From the tight end position, though, I feel like uh, it's going to be a, a disappointment. by week fill in, um, you know, the one week you have to start w- either Allie Cox or uh, uh, Doyle. The other one's going to score two touchdowns.
3: Hey, but it could be 2021 is the year that two years' worth of rookie drafts finally pay off when we see Campbell and Pittman out there thriving.
0: Right.
1: I I hope so. Yeah, I'm not expecting much out of Doyle either. So that will do it for our episode today. We will be back on Thursday talking about the Texans and the Jaguars wrapping up the AFC South. Until then, we will talk to you guys again soon.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn. I came out the wall wide already. It is hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. No it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Nah, Lee. Only tackle him in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make
1: a play? I can.